KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is the Rundown, Philadelphia's local news podcast for Thursday, December 2nd, 2021. I'm Jay Scott Smith here today with Brian Seltza and Brian Seltza? Seltza. Seltza. <laughs> I tell you is that it? boy Seltza. <laughs> Seltza fella. Uh, it's Seltza fella. He's an amazing one. We're going to start this over. <laughs> this is the Rundown, Philadelphia's local news podcast for Thursday, December 2nd. 2021. I'm Jay Scott Smith here with Brian Seltzer and Sabrina Boyd-Circa. And today's kind of a tough day. There's no easy way around this. We we got a lot of heavy stories. It's been a heavy news week, and today was especially rough, especially with what we've got going on in the city of Philadelphia. This week, it seemed like day after day, I'm waking up to a different story of gun violence every day. Nobody likes talking about it, but we've got to talk about it, and we've got to find a way to address it. I don't totally want to speak for the two of you, but I feel like one of the things we try to do here on The Rundown is not ignore news stories, but also try to accentuate stories that have an uplifting tilt and a positive spin to them whenever we can because, hey, people should hear about good stories happening in their city, in their neighborhood. This is one of those times, though, it's been really, really difficult. We cannot avoid reality entirely, and I think that this is going to be one of those shows where there's going to be some heavy stuff to get into and we got to address it, but hopefully we'll be able to find some encouraging or inspiring nuggets along the way. One way or the other, we will get through this. This is one of those news days where not every news day, as Brian mentioned there, is an easy one to talk about. We'll bring in KYW's Tim Jimenez, who covered a couple of the really just nasty issues that we've seen around here the last couple of days, including one that happened this morning. Plus, we'll welcome in our City Hall Bureau Chief Pat Loeb in a little bit to talk about how Philadelphia's Asian and Asian American community is hoping to stop anti-Asian hate here in the city of Philadelphia. As has been mentioned, it was a wild morning here in the city. So let's get to today's rundown of the headlines. And we open up today's headlines with, unfortunately, something that we've been dealing with a lot lately. We woke up this morning to news of more violence here in the city of Philadelphia. And not just violence, gun violence. And unfortunately, not just even gun violence. It's almost like we have subsections of this now, where now it's gun violence associated with SEPTA. So KYW News Radio's Tim Jimenez has been following the story all day. Tim, can you kind of paint a picture and describe what this incident was about this morning? Sure, Jay. There was a report of gunfire outside 69th Street Station. So we're talking about, I don't know, four o'clock in the morning or so. So we go here, we find that there are two crime scenes. And we're going to start with the one at 7,000 Terminal Square. This is a few blocks away from 69th Street, about four in the morning again. Upper Darby police say a man killed someone in a domestic dispute. Uh, then police say that he left the apartment. He got closer to 69th Street, the terminal there. And that's where they say he shot a guy, just an innocent bystander, just walking. Uh, so transit officers heard the shot. They heard the shot. So they went out and police say that guy then shot at them. Uh, so they returned fire. Really a crazy situation. Uh, no one was hit in that exchange. Police chased after the guy and they say they arrested him. And that innocent bystander, fortunately for him, is recovering in the hospital, is going to be okay. Uh, now, a septic cop car we could see ended up with bullet holes in the front windshield. There was shattered glass at the entrance to the terminal, uh, right by the 69th Street pedestrian bridge. So, you know, this happened a few hours later. This could have easily been much worse and more people could have gotten hurt, Jay. It sounds like just an awful situation. I mean, there's, there's so many layers to this. First, it's a domestic dispute, which people tend to forget a fair amount of gun violence across the country is connected to domestic disputes more than anything else. Then on top of it, 
a guy who just so happens to be walking up the street at that time of day just gets shot for no good reason just because this guy just felt like shooting somebody. Then he goes after cops, too, where this is all just it's kind of hard to really bring together here. And there's and there's no indication on what went wrong on that other end other than just it started as a domestic dispute. Yeah, uh, police didn't elaborate, Jay, on 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 more into that. Uh, but like you talked about, what makes it scary or scarier is that, uh, you know, have an innocent bystander getting killed. How many times have we seen this in the past few weeks? Maybe that in Thanksgiving. I know that guy in Norristown was in a home eating dinner or, and then a stray bullet went in the house. Um, so when we hear these types of things happening, I think that's what makes it even scarier for people. Yeah, that's a great point there because so many stories of, of kids dying because of gun violence is a bullet just comes flying through the window, flying through the wall and catches them. It wasn't intended for them and it just happens. And this is just seemingly the latest in a long line of just terrible stories Another one is just from earlier this week on Sunday at Temple University. 21-year-old student Sam Collington was shot and killed in broad daylight on a Sunday afternoon, bringing laundry into his house after Thanksgiving break. Before that, there was a teenager who wasn't a student. His name is Amir Jones. He shot and killed not far from campus in what appeared to be a separate, like just a robbery. There's been a lot happening surrounding Temple University's campus. It's maybe one of the most prominent universities here in the city of Philadelphia that has a bunch of them to begin with. What is Temple doing to address the safety issues in and around its campus in North Philly? Well, it started a few weeks back, Jay, when that 18-year-old Amir Jones was killed. He was walking with his girlfriend. It was a robbery attempt, and then the, the robbers actually shot him, according to the cops. Uh, so after that, Temple vowed to do more in terms of more patrols in terms of maybe more cameras and things like that and more better lighting and, uh, you know, and maybe more Philly police involvement as well in terms of off-campus police uh, patrols. Um, So after that happened, Temple students still on edge, of course, something like that happening. But then it really hit home, as you talked about, when you had the, uh, that one of their own getting killed uh, just recently, just after Thanksgiving. So again, Temple officials came out, this time the president of the university, Dr. Jason Wingard, and said, you know, we're going to do even more. And that means hiring uh, more uh, safety officers. That means a 50% increase. Uh, that means, uh, again, as we talked about, more lighting, more cameras, and uh, just an improvement in terms of the programs they already have in place. One is a shuttle service to get kids to and from their off-campus housing and also their uh, walking escort program. I was going to ask you about that, Tim. Philosophically, did Temple share much information about how much responsibility they take for what's technically considered off-campus incidents? Because for people who don't know, there is campus police, and that's the area that is specifically Temple-owned property and campus. Where does the off-campus incidents and patrolling that fall? How much responsibility does Temple take for that? I haven't heard too much exactly. I haven't specifically. Um, you know, Maybe some of our other colleagues have been a little more digging into that, but uh, haven't heard specifically in terms of the responsibility they take. These incidents happened, you could say, off campus, but they're so close to campus that I think those who live there are pretty much considered them to be campus. Uh, the one uh, where uh, Sam Collington was killed was near a Rite Aid, and that's actually the Rite Aid I went to to get my boost, my uh, second COVID shot, to both my COVID shots. And that's right across the street from the freshman dorms as well. Uh, so that, you know, that's basically on campus, I would say. The other one was on Cecil B. Moore, a few blocks away from what's considered to be campus. So, you know, what kind of responsibility Temple takes overall, hard to say, but uh, with Philly Police's involvement as well and 
the ask of them to increase their patrols. Um, you know, it, it's just something I think they say they're trying to take a little more seriously. now. That's a really good point that you make about campus versus off campus, because I remember my sister went to Temple and I remember touring the place and the, the safety of the campus was a big thing that they emphasize. They show you a map of the city of Philadelphia at night and Temple's campus is the most well-lit area. And so it's really interesting that the line between campus and off-campus is so thin and that even with all the safety that they emphasized years ago, they still need to make more improvements now. That's a great point, Sabrina. And one person I've been talking to about this the past few weeks has been the Temple student government president, Brad Smutek who is, says that it used to be common, you know, common knowledge that if you're on campus, you are pretty much safe. And, you know, odds are you're going to be in, in good shape. But if you're on off campus, you do have to be a little more careful. And now he says it feels like it's out the window. He says for the first time in four years that he's been there, uh, he says students genuinely feel just scared uh, more so than ever before. This just feels like, like something is different. There always seemed to be at least, quote unquote, rules of engagement when it came to certain things out in the streets where it comes to guys getting robbed or or things like this, where you just don't see there's a level of callousness to some of this violence where this young man is just shot broad daylight, one thirty in the afternoon. The young man walking with his girlfriend just shot dead. There's so many different and not just around Temple, but around the city here, just as we were talking about at 69th Street, just guy walking up the street, just gets shot for no good reason. This all just seems so different now, almost like the like the rules have basically been thrown out the window. You went to Temple, Tim. How do you feel when you hear stories like this? And how does this compare to, say, when you were a student there? I feel awful about it, Jay. You know, being on campus is a place I love. I still love and grew to love when I was there my four years. And to see the students there fearful and nervous. Um, you know, of course, there was a little of that when I went there, but... It wasn't the same back in the, the uh, mid to late 2000s. It wasn't the same as it is now. The type of violence that we're hearing about now didn't happen back then. Um, so, you know, I can easily put myself in their shoes and I feel so awful for, for everyone involved and for the community around Temple. You know, there are people there, hardworking people who do nothing wrong and they live in fear as well. And they can't do a regular thing, you know, like just being outside and you know, kids go outside and playing, things like that. So. It just breaks my heart, Jay, to, to cover something like this and to just hear about it. Tim, I know this is a, yet another tough morning, and you do a lot of great work being up so early. You're up before – you you do more before 7 a.m. than most of us do the whole day. So huh. go go handle your business. We appreciate you checking in with us here on The Rundown once again for some pretty heavy stuff on this Thursday. Thank you. And coming up after this quick break, we'll talk to KYW City Hall Bureau Chief Pat Loeb about a number of things that have been happening in the city, including a recent Stop Asian hate rally held outside of City Hall, as well as the departure of one man in the city commissioner's office who took a stand during the aftermath of last year's presidential election. I'm Jay Scott Smith, along with Sabrina Boyd-Circa and Brian Seltzer, and you're listening to The Rundown. Welcome back to The Rundown. I'm Jay Scott Smith, here with Sabrina Boyd-Circa and Brian Seltzer. And the last we heard from KYW News Radio City Hall Bureau Chief Pat Loeb, here on The Rundown, that is, she was telling us about the ins and outs of the recently completed trial of City Councilman Bobby Heenan and Labor Leader John Doherty, both ending up convicted in their federal corruption trial. 
and she was also recovering from COVID. And Pat joins us today. Before we go into anything else, Pat, how are you doing overall? You know, I wish I could say I was all better, but I've had a cold ever since I got over COVID. I've been testing negative for 10 days, but I've been sick for like three weeks in a row now. So I guess weakened immune system. This is more information than you need. But <laughs> It feels like if there's not one thing, it's another, basically. Right. Yes. Pat, you've been, there's a lot you've been covering in the city since we last spoke with you on the, on the podcast. And let's start with the Stop Asian Hate Rally that you were covering at City Hall on Tuesday. Can you kind of set the scene for us here on what was going on there on Tuesday afternoon? In the morning, it was uh, people started gathering before 11 a.m. It was a very cold day. Everybody was bundled up. It was mostly Asian people, mostly Chinese. There was a lot of Chinese and Vietnamese being spoken in the crowd. And even over the microphone, a lot of the chanting started in Chinese and then would be repeated in English. Stop, it's a But it wasn't strictly Asian. There were it was it was a diverse group overall. Almost everyone had a sign in bright red or dark blue. Most of the signs just said stop Asian hate. That was kind of the way of summing up what they were trying to do. This is also coming, of course, after a couple of recent incidents here in the city. And it had to be a pretty powerful moment to see Christina Liu address this crowd at the Stop Asian Hate rally. It was. She was quite moving. Good good morning, everyone. My name is Christina Liu. I am 18 years old and currently attend Central High School. Her presence, she almost looked like she was in disguise. You know, she had a mask on and sunglasses over the mask, and then her hood was pulled up. And she has a, a, you know, a fragile little, like an 18-year-old's voice. And she was saying things like, I'm a shy girl. You know, I'm just an ordinary person from a, a large but ordinary family. So it was very touching to hear that she'd, she'd taken the stand. She'd exhibited real bravery intervening in a bullying incident that she had seen on the Broad Street line. And then she, you know, she had suffered so terribly for doing that. From the moment that I stepped in, I didn't care who either party were. I only cared to de-escalate the problem so that no one would get hurt. Many have said that I should have fought back or that the boys were cowards. First of all, violence against violence isn't one of my values. Second, the double standards in our society where boys are to be strong and girls are to be obedient has pained me. It puts pressure on youth and limits their behavior and who they are into boxes, causing psychological and emotional harm. The public must look past gender identification and understand that we are all human. And yet there she was to say, I do it again. We all need to do this. Doesn't matter who you are. We need to come together to stop violence and bullying. It was it was inspirational, really. Now, just to clarify for those who may be listening to this or hear back at this for the first time, Christina Liu was a young lady who was seen on a viral video being attacked on the Broad Street line a few weeks ago by a group of young girls. As Pat mentioned, these girls were basically bullying these younger Asian-American Chinese boys, and she intervened and unfortunately was mercilessly beaten by these girls. And, And it sounds like she's kind of just reconciling her place and kind of putting a flag in the ground here on her stance about 
Asian hate here in the city of Philadelphia. Yes. And, you know, she said uh, it's not just Asian hate. It's any kind of hate crime. It's any kind of bullying that she she wants to stand against that. And she wants everyone to join her. We've been talking about that this week when we talked about Hanukkah earlier this week and about the issues of anti-Semitism, as, as I mentioned on that show Issues of racism against African-Americans have been going on as long as this country has been around. It's this sort of thing where people need to start taking stands and making more noise. One of the signs that was held up at the rally looks at SEPTA itself saying, quote, SEPTA, clean up or shut up. What has SEPTA's response been to this incident? And what would the city's Asian and Asian-American community like to see SEPTA do? Well, SEPTA obviously has seen a number of really terrible events on its vehicles and in its facilities recently. And they point to the fact that they are located in the city of Philadelphia and the city of Philadelphia has a violence problem. And so SEPTA has a violence problem and they have their own police force. And they say that, you know, They're understaffed, just like the Philadelphia Police Department is, and that's a problem. But they have all kinds of programs that they do. They have mental health crisis outreach people because so many of the incidents uh, in SEPTA facilities involve people either, you know, high on drugs, potentially overdosing or creating a scene of some kind or having a a mental health crisis of some sort. So it's focused on preventing those kinds of incidents and then the, the kinds of violence that broke out on the Broad Street line is supposed to be handled by the police force. So they have beefed up patrol officer deployment after school on routes that are taken by students in response to this specific act. Um, And they're also urging riders to download the Transit Watch app, which is a way of reporting suspicious activity. And that way they can get officers out directly to potential problem site. Now, we look at safety from a different lens, per se, here in the city. We go from SEPTA to the pandemic. And we got our latest COVID update from City Hall on Wednesday, where the new head of the health department, Dr. Cheryl Bettigol said that there are some changes or at least some precautions that need to be taken when it comes to dealing with everything we've got going on in this pandemic. What exactly were some of the key takeaways from that? And how much was this new variant, Omicron, a part of the conversation? Well, you know, she says Omicron, just the way the Delta came. Um, You know, the city was down to 23 new cases a day, less than 1% positivity rate on tests in July. That's like four months ago. And the Delta variant came along and wiped out all that progress. This, the case rate is now about 250. It's never really gone down, but there's a potential that it could climb higher. You know, we haven't yet seen the impact of the Thanksgiving gatherings, Christmas, Hanukkah, you know, winter holidays, cold weather, people are going to be inside. So it, it's not so much a change. It's, it's a reminder that this pandemic is still very much present in our lives and we should be masking when we're indoors. We should not be gathering indoors with other people. We should be getting vaccinated and booster shots. Everybody five and over is now eligible for vaccination. The city actually has a pretty good vaccination rate, but 
it only recently became available for young children. And so that's the new challenging population now. Only about 10% of kids between 5 and 11 have been vaccinated or have gotten one shot, whereas like 94% of adults have. So, you know, there's a real push to get young kids vaccinated and try to get get us back to a point where we're going to see very low case rates again. I know the one thing that comes with getting COVID under control, it also will eventually help some of the city's businesses and help economically as well. Center City District just recently released its annual retail report. Were there any conclusions drawn about how this pandemic has affected the economy, particularly in Center City? Well, it's been bad for Center City, but there are strong signs of recovery. I think it was 62 new stores opened about. It was definitely more than 60 new stores have opened in Center City in the past year. So that's a, a sign of optimism among people who are opening businesses amidst the pandemic. There's still a lot of empty storefronts, obviously, especially on Walnut Street. And so the, the Center City District is trying to encourage people to come back with strolling musicians and free tote bag giveaways and different kinds of promotions through the Christmas season. And they, they've spruced up Walnut with some new planters and holiday decorations and stuff, trying to restore what was once kind of the major retail thoroughfare. Still a long way to go to get back to where the city was pre-pandemic. And the missing link in that really is the office workers. Office workers drive a lot of traffic to retail and restaurants. And so the Center City District is really hoping that office workers will start to come back soon. There was an expectation that after Labor Day, people would start to come back in higher numbers. But as I just said, the Delta variant quashed a lot of hopes along those lines. And so we're still waiting for that that final shoot a drop on uh, bringing back business to the to Center City. Now, this whole conversation started at City Hall with the rally. We'll bring it back to City Hall with one other thing that you've covered this week. Al Schmidt. He's leaving the Board of Elections to become the president and CEO of the Committee of 70. It just seemed like a natural fit. It's a way to continue to serve the citizens of Philadelphia and to continue to combat the sort of election disinformation and misinformation that we've seen that threatens to undermine uh, our democracy. Al Schmidt, for anybody out there who may not remember, he's a Republican and he upheld the results here in Pennsylvania, particularly in the city of Philadelphia, that the former president challenged last year and has continued to try to challenge in the year that has come since, does Al Schmidt leaving the Board of Elections come as a surprise? Leaving early, yeah, that was a little bit of a surprise. He announced long ago that he was not going to run for re-election even before the 2020 elections. But I think it's understandable that he's leaving early, given what he's been through since defending the Philadelphia elections, death threats, threats to his children. And I want to say he announced his resignation on Tuesday, which was the same day as the Stop Asian Hate rally. And, you know, there was something about the confluence of covering those two stories on the same day to see Christina Liu, who stood up for her principles and suffered, and Al Schmidt, who stood up bravely for the truth of the election results and suffered. They were both so inspirational. That that was just a really inspiring day for me. But, you know, he 
is not bitter. He he's not leaving with any bitterness. Um, the Committee of Seventy is an august and revered organization of the city of Philadelphia. So the opportunity to be president of that is a really big opportunity, no matter what he had thought about uh, continuing on as a commissioner. For a long time, it was headed by a mutual friend of ours named Fred Voigt. Fred passed away last year, and I saw Al at his funeral, and Al talked about how much the Committee of Seventy had meant to him it started his political career. He moved to Philadelphia and went to a committee of 70 seminar on running for office and ran for committee man. And that was the beginning of his political career. So it's really a, a nice kind of full circle thing for him to be taking over that organization. And for him, it's nice to get out of the spotlight a little. I have to just tell a quick story about I talked to the chairman of the city commission, Lisa Dealey. And uh, she's thrilled for Al that he's got this opportunity. He operates always from a position of fairness, not from a partisan position. And I think that really makes him unique. She talked about how while they were counting the votes at the convention center in November of 2020, that in those first few days after the election, that people from like Fox and One American News kept asking her these questions about, you know, why people couldn't like be standing next to the machines as they counted the vote and that kind of thing. And she was really getting frustrated. She felt like people weren't listening to her and weren't, weren't believing what she was saying. And so she turned to Al and she said, Al is a Republican. Let's, Al will tell you, you know, how safe and secure these elections are. And, and Al stepped up and did that. And she said she feels guilty now because she she thought, you know, the value of having a Republican say this, that just, you know, as opposed to me saying it just can't be measured. It was such a high value, but she felt like he paid such an extraordinary price in terms of his own personal security. So she said she still carries around a little guilt about pulling him into that situation. And just really quick for people who may not know, what function does the Committee of 70 serve here in the city of Philadelphia? Uh, Well, they were created in 1904 as an election watchdog group. Now, at that time, the machine, you know, machine politics were the modus operandi in, in most large American cities. And the machine here was Republican and it was notoriously corrupt and it was driven by patronage. And the the Committee of 70 was a bunch of city fathers who wanted to clean up the government. And so they formed this committee. I don't think there were really 70 members. I think it's named after some like biblical gathering of 70 people or something. They ever since 1904, They have been the election watchdog. They watch elections. They monitor the results. They send people out into the field. They issue reports on how the elections are going. Recently, as the city commission has gotten more transparent and kind of improved ethically, I would say, they've expanded to to more good government things. They're now into the redistricting process. So they've expanded their role to be a general good government group, but they are, you know, time honored in the city of Philadelphia. And from what you've just described as the committee of 70, does it appear that Al Schmidt would be a good fit for this group? Oh, extraordinarily good fit. 
as I said, they launched his political career. And he worked closely with Fred Boyd. Fred, after he left the Committee of 70, went to the commissioner's office. And they, you know, Fred was a diehard Democrat. They clashed a lot, but they agreed on certain principles of ethics and clean elections and the importance of a reliable elections to democracy and to our country, our city, every kind of level of government. And for him to take this over is it's a rare <laughs> good fit. Well, Pat, we certainly appreciate having you on here. It's been a second kind of playing catch up with a lot of things happening around the city of Philadelphia and no better person to come to in that scenario than you, our city hall bureau chief, Pat Loeb. How can people check out the work that you're doing? I'm at Pat Loeb on Twitter and on Facebook. Check out our website, kywnewsradio.com. That's where you can find everything that Pat does. Pat is once again our City Hall Bureau Chief here at KYW News Radio. Pat Loeb, thank you so much for joining us once again here on The Rundown. Thank you, Jay. And The Rundown is a production, KYW News Radio original podcast. The show is produced by Sabrina Boyd Serka and Brian Seltzer. The director of podcasting for KYW News Radio is Tom Rickard. Me, I'm Jay Scott Smith. You can follow me on Twitter at Jay Scott Smith. That's real Jay Scott Smith on Instagram and Facebook. You can hear me every afternoon on KYW News Radio. Starting at 3 p.m. for Philadelphia's afternoon news. You can hear us, of course, KYW News Radio, 1060 AM, 103.9 FM, and right here on the Odyssey app, which is also, of course, where you find the rundown. You can follow the rundown on Twitter at the Rundown PHL. Again, it's the Rundown PHL. You can listen to it for free right here on the Odyssey app or just about wherever you get your podcast. So for Brian Seltzer and Sabrina Boyd Circa, I'm Jay Scott Smith, thanking you for joining us for this Thursday edition of the Rundown. 